Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Vandy Sports Podcast. Here's your host, Chris Lee. Commodore fans, on your feet, it's time to anchor down. Welcome to the Vandy Sports Podcast. I'm Chris Lee, the host. Our podcast presented by Dr. Jody Jones, DDS. So we thank him for his title sponsorship this year. We're also part of the 440 Sports Network. Our guest today, Andrew Allegretta, he appears on the guest line. That is sponsored by Sutherland and Belk, a family-owned injury law firm. If you or a loved one has been hurt in an accident, please call Taylor or Russell. That number, 615-846-6200. See what your rights are, and they'll let you know how they can help. With that, let's get straight to our interview with Andrew Allegretta. Andrew Allegretta joins us. He's one of the play-by-play voices for Vanderbilt. He called the 62 to nothing game on Saturday. Andrew, that had to be a tough one to get through, not just for the team, but for you too. Well, it's not fun. It's certainly not what us as Vanderbilt's uh, supporters and employees and all of these sort of things, it's certainly not what we desire to do. Uh, but I think as a broadcaster, to be quite blunt with you, Chris, um, I've been through enough scenarios and I think you've learned your lesson over the course of the years about how to be prepared and how to handle difficult moments, regardless of how the games unfold. Um, so it's, it's not the desired outcome, but, um, you know, coaches will always say play the next play sort of stuff. So you recognize the cards as they unfold in front of you and then you go from there. It was what it was. Um, of course, no game like that can really be, I guess, digested, for lack of a better word, without knowing the the context. And and this is just a world where they are having to start over from scratch. I mean, 0-9 last year, I think, left the toll on some players. You still have some people around from a year before that was difficult, too. And I asked Clark Lee some things in, in the press conference that were I don't want to say pointed questions because that that gives off an air of of impoliteness or um, accusatoriness. That's not a word, but you know what I mean. I do, Um, yes. But but I wanted I wanted to hear how he answered them, and I think his answers. And if people have not heard them yet, I know you got a chance to listen. They they were very telling of where the program is because the the thing that has stuck out to me is I went to practice and, and a lot of times sat elbow to elbow with you on the railing. And I think that some of the things that have popped up, and look, things pop up in games when you're playing Georgia that don't happen when you're playing Vanderbilt. But we've, we've seen some things in different games across some different opponents that I don't think we expected. I mean, this was certainly not a group when it hit the practice field you know, that, that was unenthusiastic. I, I think that they brought the energy and the execution to practices when I saw them. But I think Clark Lee said, without really dodging the, the questions, look, we got a lot of baggage we're carrying around that we got to get rid of. And, and that's a continual process. And I think every time they get down on the scoreboard, that's a battle he's got to fight that most coaches don't. So here's what I would say. Um, I'm with you on all of that. Um, when I was at Tulane, the phrase that I would use quite frequently, because it was a program that, although at a different level, was working through what I think are some of the same issues. 
And it was a program that had some really special moments, but at times was not nearly as successful. There was stretches of poor play and trying to get things flipped around is difficult. I would often say, even by the way, into coach Fritz's uh, fifth season when they were going to bowl games and then you have a difficult loss and then the media narrative in new Orleans was negative. I would often say inertia is a really hard force to fight and it takes a long time to turn a ship. Um, and I think what I mean by all of that is simply walking in as a new coach, a new anything and saying that it's different isn't necessarily going to get the job done, not in a negative way, but there is day in and day out um, work that has to be done over a long period of time to help flip inertia. <laughs> inertia is trending in one direction uh, for Vanderbilt football, and Coach Lee is trying to trend it into a different direction. That's really hard to do. And I suspect if we asked Coach Corbett about the baseball program, circa 2003, he'd have many of the same stories about the expectations of the players and how he had to commit them to the process. He'd have to mentally get them to turn off the scoreboard and believe in their own work, their own growth, and then recognize that over the course of time, they can reintroduce the scoreboard. Um, it's really, really hard. Uh, I can't speak to coaching X's and O's in the slightest, uh, because my education level is not there. However, I think I've been around college athletics long enough and watched some programs as they tried to change how difficult that is. Um, I could point to being at Tulane for a couple of years. I jumped in on that ship as it was not all the way turned, but certainly made very significant strides from being a total also ran um, whether it was in Conference USA or the AAC to Coach Fritz, getting them to three consecutive bowl games. I could talk to you about Virginia Tech women's basketball, which I was very involved with for a number of years. They were the seller, uh, the absolute seller of the ACC women's basketball. Uh, they changed coaches, and I lived the negative, and I lived the change, and I lived the growth to an extent. And most recently, they went to the NCAA tournament, which five years ago was a, a remarkable, <laughs> a remarkable dream. Um, it's it is day in, day out, month in, month out, year in, year out, hard work. Um, simply saying that, okay, guys, I believe that you're a winner. It it doesn't it doesn't just happen like that. It, it's it's a lot of work. Um, this is to an extent a rambling answer where I've said the same things multiple times, but I'm just driving home the fact that, um, belief, understanding, execution, everything is really difficult to drive home when inertia points one direction and you need it to go the other. As a great philosopher of our times once said, everybody's got to play until they get punched in the face. Yeah, you know, to an extent. Right. Um, but I would make a, I would make an argument that and I don't mean to be dismissive of the 21 season because I'm not. And I know Clark isn't either. There is a belief internally that. That with proper execution, games go differently um, and it's. Clark wouldn't shrug this off. It's obviously the coach's responsibilities uh, to get these guys to play at their peak performance. Um, but when I talk about inertia, 
I mean that changing inertia, it's not just like, oh, I had this one plan and I got punched in the mouth. Like it's, it's that, it's that you're turning it over the course of months and years. Um, and it's, it's really difficult. These aren't Clark's guys. I don't, I don't think what, I mean, and it, here's, here's where I would probably go to the mat with anybody. And I don't know that I'll be able to articulate this as well as I would like, but I don't think people understand. And maybe you can make parallels to your own workplace if it's possible, but it means something to create a team that, that is full of your guys. And it's hard, um, to rewire approaches from somebody else's guys. It's, it's really hard. It's really, really hard to take a team full of Derek Mason's recruits and say, I'm Clark Lee and have 100, or in this case, 94 guys buy in right away, fully, no hesitation. And that's nobody's fault. That's human nature. I could take that to any team, any workplace, anywhere. There is something to having your guys and being part of a group that you believe in because you were brought in at the beginning of it by a certain individual. Does that make sense? So, so, yeah. so, so when I, when I kind of, I don't, I don't say I dismiss the whole, like, oh, you've, you've got a plan until you're punched in the mouth thing. I just, it, it's, there are so many layers to this, um, whether it's the inertia that I'm talking about or whether it's Clark having his guys. Um, and it's not again, dismissive to any one of these players. There, there have been wonderful bright spots and some of quote unquote Derek's guys are going to go on to do wonderful things with coach Lee as their head coach. I'm just saying there are forces that are so deeply embedded in like the human experience that, that it's really hard to just walk in and flip a switch and anybody expecting a flip of the switch would be, um, certainly naive. And I think all of us as Vanderbilt fans understand that. Well, you weren't here for it. The culture, the last two years, I had somebody tell me this yesterday, uh, as bad as the culture was last year, it might've been worse two years ago. I, I don't know if I believe that, but that, that gives you an idea of, of what he's dealing with. And here's another thing. I don't think we talk about this enough. It's not just a, a new head coach, a new strength and conditioning guy with a different philosophy, but this is now what three defensive coordinators in, in three years. I think I might have to go back and, and yeah, cause it, it definitely is. Uh, this would be, I don't know. Some of these kids have been through four or five offensive coordinators. Now two in this season, uh, Todd Fitch is a stopgap last year. Uh, the, the, you know, the year before that it was Jerry Godowski. The year before that it was Andy Ludwig. So it's like, just as soon as you figure out what this guy wants you to do, you got another guy coming in with another philosophy. So that's that, that's well, and almost right. and, to, and to the point yeah. to the point, Chris. Like you, you can make and then and then people narrow-mindedly say, with all due respect, oh, it's just you've got to work through that one change. No, you don't. You got to work through the fact that there's been three changes and everybody is fatigued. <laughs> like there's yeah. a cumulative snowball effect to all of it, which is why I think in a reductive form, simply saying, oh, there's a new coach and here's your message and it's going to be great is, is that's not human nature. There's, there's upperclassmen on this team that, that have just been through it and through it and through it. And it's, it's hard. 
inertia is hard to change. It's just, it's a force that is really difficult and it takes time. It takes time to turn a ship. And I, I don't blame anybody. I seriously, I mean this like in my heart, I don't blame or point a finger at anybody, right? It would be, it'd be silly. I mean, who at the start of the season, it would be silly to blame anybody. That's all I'm saying. It's, it's everybody understands what Vanderbilt is embarking on at this moment in time, whether it's the football program, whether it's the Vandy United campaign, whether it's the $300 million that's getting invested. Um, again, I go back to it. Just ask Tim Corbin. Did he build this program with a magic bullet? <laughs> Did he build this Vandy boys program in a year or two? I mean, he's been here for nearly two decades and it, he went to his first college world series in 2011, right? So it was, was it eight years after he arrived? Yeah, he, he started in 03 and, and got there in 11, uh, and 07, they, you know, that they had quote unquote arrived, uh, until, until they found out there were more pieces of the culture, uh, that they had to get right. But yeah, you, I mean, that's a good point. Yeah. You see, seeing, you know, yeah. I'm driving at right, yeah, quote unquote, yeah. arrived in his fourth year, and we're having a conversation about uh, anything within this football program in the fourth game. It's just patience is not a skill set of our current society. That's fine, but I think anybody that has built something that is able to sustain, last, and achieve at a high level understands that it just is a process that takes a lot of hard work and all of that hard work is extended over months and years, not days and weeks. Yeah. And not to linger here any, any longer, but one other little layer to that is players also get attached to coaches. And, and, and I don't think Derek Mason handled last year or the year before particularly well, but those were the kids that got offered scholarships by that coach and assistant coaches. And I think that's another thing too, is um, fans can think what they want, but you did have some kids on the team who were attached to, to people on that um, past staff and, and, and probably some of the ones that were um, went on the door when he went out, went out too. I, I think that had something to do with it. Nothing against Clark Lee, but yeah, you, you have well, that layer of it too. So, I mean, I, I would, I would add this. I think it's probably the, the last thing that I, I would chip in on this conversation is we're, we're, we're doing to me what feels like a bit of an, I'm trying to be thoughtful and respectful of, of the verbiage. 62 to nothing is hurtful. I think it's hurtful for a lot of people. Um, but number one, George, could win the national championship, right? And we have talked long and hard across the country about the ever-growing gaps in college football, the distance between Alabama, Clemson, and everybody else. It feels like it's the same rights. I mean, I don't have the stats in front of me, um, but how many teams have made the college football playoff since its inception in 2014? It's, does it reach double digits? Like, what is it? Somewhere between eight and 12 different teams have made the college football playoff. Okay. So we all strive here at Vanderbilt 
to own and believe the fact that this is a program that belongs in the SEC, and it does. I do not move from that belief. I'm simply saying we understand the growth that Vanderbilt needs to take over the course of years to reach those sort of heights. And I feel like we are doing the generic thing where we make too much out of one moment. You cannot make too much out of the East Tennessee State game. You cannot make too much out of the win against Colorado, nor can you make too much over the game at Georgia. Um, You are constantly going to have to measure yourself and take a holistic 360 approach over the course of a season. Every game is a data point into us understanding what the growth is going to need to look like for Coach Lee. Does that make sense? It's a long way yeah. of saying we're overreacting to Georgia. Um, well, yeah, that, that, I, I, was, that was never a fair fight, right? I mean, the, the what you said is is accurate. And, and look, Alabama is the reigning national champion, the number one in the polls. But you're seeing people that are that are saying, hey, wait a minute, Georgia might be better. Yeah, and whether whether you want to have the conversation about Alabama being the best or Georgia being the best or whatever, that's you're, you're talking about one of the top two, maybe three teams in the country. If there's a third to add into the conversation, I don't know. Florida's awfully good. Ole Miss is awfully good. Oregon obviously has looked good throughout the course of the season. Oklahoma has not. My point has simply been that you can't, and I don't mean to be disrespectful with the word overreact. Like it, it hurts. It hurts to lose 62 to nothing to anyone, but place yourself back into rational thought at the start of the season. We, we knew, we knew and likely understood the direction of the Georgia game. It's not fun. Uh, it's not where coach Lee wants to be. It's not where the players want to be, but this is about building something that will last. It is not about going out there on a, an individual Saturday and somewhat surprising Georgia and then moving on with our lives. Coach Lee is trying to build a house that we believe can become a home over the course of years. So sending our emotions too far either direction based on one game, win or lose, is is not where this program needs to be. And and it's really difficult, again, because we're passionate and we care about Vanderbilt, but again... (laughs) This is about moving something in a direction holistically over the course of time where it can be successful consistently. And and that is about more than one individual game. This season of the Vandy Sports Podcast is made possible by my friend, Dr. Jody Jones, DDS. When it comes to general or cosmetic dentistry services, Jody is the best in Nashville. And just check out his client list. It testifies to that. He sees movie stars, music stars, athletes, coaches, you name it. Jody is the dentist of choice for stars in Nashville, but he sees regular folks like you and I as well. And what people like about the experience is the ambiance. Someone described it to me as a tooth spa. I went in and looked at it myself. That's exactly what it is. It is a relaxing, friendly environment. So whether your dental needs are general or cosmetic, go see Jody Call him at 615-270-2322. His office is located at 55 Music Square East, not far from downtown Nashville, not far from the Vanderbilt campus. 
Jody is a former Vanderbilt football player, a huge booster of Commodore Athletics. His support as the title sponsor for Season 7 is the reason we are able to do this podcast. Go see Dr. Jody Jones today. Thank him for his support of the Vandy Sports Podcast and tell him you heard about it here. Well, the good news is last week's done. Uh, They don't have to play Georgia again. And there's an opportunity this week with UConn, and, and nothing's a sure thing at this point. Certainly, Vanderbilt's going to have to play well to win, but it's it's a better chance to win. It's one of the better ones left on the schedule. And right now, you know, wins give you a shot in the arm. And and if they take care of business, it seems to me they've got a shot at one on Saturday. Yeah, I think that's certainly true. And to your point, these guys have discussed uh, consistently about they learned, if nothing else, against ETSU, you have to give 100% of your attention to the opponent, to the play in front of you. It was a missed opportunity against ETSU, and they understand there's a lesson to be learned from that. You talk about lessons and growth points, and this UConn team is certainly a team that struggled. Look, you 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 can go right to the NCAA statistics, and you can find them, whether it's total defense, total offense. They typically sit somewhere around 110, 120th in the nation, and I can't give you a conference rank because they're independent, but... But they put a good game on film last week against Wyoming. They lost. It was 24 to 22. Um, And they've got a couple of players out there that I think can be challenging. They've got a running back by the name of Carter, uh, who seems to be a fairly young, talented running back. They've got some guys on that defensive front. They've got some linebackers that have been able to make plays. So this is not a moment at which you can simply uh, shrug off your opponent like um, you, they like the lesson perhaps they've learned in the past. Um, but there's opportunities out there. I would love for this game to be some be, be a game where the offensive line can establish dominance and atone early with it. I'd love for this to be a game in which Rocco Griffin can have his second coming out party after his performance against Stanford. And I'd love for this to be a game in which Ken Seals finds that consistent rhythm, gets on the same page, play in, play out with Will Shepard, with Chris Pierce, with Devin Body, maybe get Ben Brezhnehan back consistently into the rotation. I would love to walk out of this game against a UConn team that does allow uh, 42 points per game with a lot more confidence moving forward toward the rest of SEC play. Andrew, you got to spend some time with basketball coach Jerry Stackhouse recently. I know he probably shared some thoughts with the team, with you in that, and, and just give us some takeaways that, that you had from that conversation. First off, thoroughly enjoyed my conversation with Coach Stackhouse. It was my first conversation with him. Um, so we've been doing these things, and I think they'll probably end up posting on social media sometime in the near future. Uh, called Food Tours with the Doors. Basically, we take a very fancy BMW and drive it to uh, some Nashville restaurant and get lunch with the coaches. So we did one about a month or so ago with Coach Lee. Hopefully that comes out soon, uh, where we went to uh, Daddy's Dogs in the Nation, which was delicious, by the way. Uh, And then we went to Slim and Huskies with Coach Stackhouse yesterday. Obviously, there's plenty of enthusiasm about uh, his team, his guys. I think there's a real excitement about adding a post player like Liam Robbins uh, to the rotation, um, giving them an added element that they didn't have a season ago, and hopefully a really good counterbalance for Scottie Pippen. Um, 
look, getting him back is tremendous. And I'm very excited. And this is sort of what coach is talking about. Um, the chance for Scotty to prove that he's a first round NBA talent. He certainly could have gotten selected last year. At least that's the understanding that I sort of picked up from coach Stackhouse. Um, maybe he was a second round guy, but there's a belief internally from Scotty and others that he's got another level that he can reach. Uh, so I would suspect that we'll see a very motivated Scotty Pippen Jr. in 21-22. And based on the results he had last season, that should be awfully fun to watch if he can take his game to another level. You're in for a treat watching him. Uh, it's been some lean years of the basketball program, but he's been fun to watch since the day he got here almost. And I don't know if you've noticed, but the magazines are coming out. He is the preseason SEC player of the year in blue ribbon and also in Athlons. Now, he made Lindy's, I think, or no, excuse me, maybe Athlons, I think, had Jaden Shackelford as its player of the year in the SEC and Pippen first team. And I think Lindy's had Pippen as player of the year. But in any case, two of the three major publications that I've seen so far had him as the league's player of the year, which is really, I don't know if it's unprecedented because I, I haven't done the research to know. But they're getting picked in that 9 to 13 range. And I, it's not often you see a player of the year come for a, a team that's picked in that area of the standings. And, and I think that says a lot about Scotty. Yeah, for sure. And I certainly don't have the backstory and the understanding to, to reflect too much about the preseason rankings. I can tell you that I was at Virginia Tech when Eric Green one ACC player of the year for a team that I think finished last. So it doesn't happen often, uh, but it can happen here or there. I think the point from coach Stackhouse would be, he feels like he's got, um, and I don't want to put too many words in his mouth. Uh, I, I know he'll do plenty of uh, media availabilities where he can speak to this. Uh, but I got the sense from coach Stackhouse that one, Scotty's got another level to his game, which is fascinating. And two, he has the belief that there is more to work with around Scotty and taking some pressure off of him, both offensively and defensively, right? Like uh, Scotty was guarding the point guard quite a bit last year, and they've got some more pieces where maybe they can move Scotty to guard the two. And all of a sudden, Scotty's got more energy by the time we get to the final 10 minutes of the second half. Um, all of these things would lead to much better results for Scotty personally, but also for the team as a whole. Anything else pop out in that conversation that you had with him about the, the team this year? I know it was probably a, a short term conversation, but I'm just curious what else he may have said that popped with you. You know, that was it from a team standpoint. I asked him plenty of questions about, you know, his playing days and all of that sort of stuff, uh, which, which I had a fun time catching up on. Um, you know, I suspect people know for the most part about his playing days. But for me personally, the opportunity to sit there and ask about, you know, his strut uh, against Duke in 1995, had that big reverse jam against Duke and Cameron uh, and kind of strut strutted back on defense and just kind of talk about his personality as a player and as a coach and the impacts of Dean Smith and all that kind of stuff. Um, I, I thoroughly enjoyed my conversation with coach Stackhouse. He's, um, he's, he's passionate. He's smart. Um, I'm really looking forward to seeing what he can do with this team this season. 
You know, I think if you're going to do a food tour with a coach, he'd probably be the guy on your campus I'd start with. Now, Tim Corbin's been to a lot of places, but uh, Jerry, from what I understand, certainly knows his way around a grill and, and probably the kitchen, too, I'm guessing. You know, it's fun. I mentioned that to him, and his, his his response was something to the effect of, you know, that's what they say, as if to say, it's fine. They can keep on saying that about me. I'm good with it. Like, he en- enjoys being known as that guy. I think if we're going to do a food tours with the doors with Jerry next time, it probably should just be at coach's house. Like you fire up the grill, you cook us up something that you think is as good as anything. And we'll do it like that. I will say, um, I think one of the things that I found very compelling about coach Stackhouse is he is really smart about a lot of things. Um, he knew details about the camera that we were using. Uh, you know, he certainly knew details about food items and all of this kind of stuff. He, he immerses himself in things. And I, I think that's really intriguing from a coach, um, in a very good way. Like coaches can have, you know, crazy tunnel vision and, um, not be, and I say this politely, all that aware of stuff outside of their own personal X's and O's. Um, and, and, and coach Stackhouse is really smart as a basketball person, uh, but is also really smart as a whole human being too. So I enjoyed that. Yeah. He, he, I think is, I'm, I don't, I don't want to overdo it here. Well read perhaps, but I, I know that you're right. He's got some interests outside of basketball. I think is it, at a minimum is a good way to put it. What other coach would know any details about the camera being used for a video shoot? That's what I'm getting at. Hey, I'm not sure I know the details about the camera I use. So I'll give him that, but, uh, yeah, well, tell folks about the the food tour, the the content that'll come out of that that you guys will have at your website or podcast or wherever that goes, because I know folks are going to want to hear that for sure. That'll end up on Vanderbilt's social media uh, social media accounts. I don't I don't know exactly when, uh, to be quite honest with you. I know the Coach Lee one has not come out just yet. Uh, we we filmed that uh, maybe about a month ago. Um, and then we'll do one again with Coach Ralph and Coach Corbin in the future. So I think those things you can kind of just pay attention to on Vanderbilt social media over the course of the season. Uh, those will those will pop when they're ready to pop, I suppose. Now, how are the venues chosen? Uh, it's oh, that we're we're talking sponsors here. <laughs> gotcha. Okay. Well, Tim Tim would be. I don't know if non sponsors are open, but Tim I think makes it a point to eat every dinner out and, and, and probably a lot of lunches too. He is a guy that, that probably like, I, I'm not saying he's a food critic, but I would imagine his repertoire of restaurant knowledge, uh, given the, the time he spends out in them would, would be not, not a, not a bad place to start. I suppose. I, I don't, I don't think so. I, I think, I think you're hundred percent right. I think his knowledge is something to be soaked up in many different territories. I don't know where that will happen. Uh, it has not been planned. It has not been organized just yet. Um, so, you know, that is still in the works in terms of the details, but, um, it's, it's coming down the pipeline and, but yes, that's a sponsorship element. So slim and Huskies, daddy's dogs, you know, the BMW that we, drive in is, you know, a sponsored element, all that kind of stuff. But, uh, you know, it's, it's a, it's a nice way to incorporate sponsors into something that's, um, a little bit more lighthearted. Well, as someone whose food choices are dictated by a 10 and seven year old who want to know, you know, about chicken fingers and grilled cheese and pizza, 
I'm, I'm a little jealous of the, the endeavor you're going on. Yeah it's, it's, yeah, it's one of the few times where my meal choices venture outside of Cheerios. Yeah, I, I can tell you where all the Sonics are, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Andrew, thanks for your time today. Uh, tell folks where they can find the broadcast this weekend and where they can follow you guys on social media. As always, you can check out the Vanderbilt Sports Network from Learfield. If you're looking for affiliates uh, specifically, you can find those on VUCommodores.com under the Fans drop-down tab. And I certainly would keep encouraging folks, um, look, we want to have a, a strong and high-quality radio network, but um, if perhaps you find yourself in a place that is currently outside of that, the VU Commodores game day app um, is tremendous. Uh, it's got so many different features uh, but certainly one of the ones that I like is is you can stream our broadcasts very, very, very easily with really high quality. So that's the VU Commodores app. It literally just shows up at the very uh, home screen of the app. There's a bunch of games that you can scroll through, whether it's soccer or football. And if it's a football game, there's like a little speaker that you click on uh, and it pulls up our game and our broadcast uh really easily. So those, those would be the places that you can find it. I think we're on, we're on Sirius XM at some point, uh, this, this weekend, I think we're on like 191 or something like that. So uh, if folks don't know, by the way, anytime that we're at home, um, Sirius XM will typically pick up our broadcast. If you've got satellite radio, when we're on the road, they take the home team's broadcast. That's generically how it works. Yeah, and I'm trying to remember the range of channels that's in. I think that's it's been all over the place in the past. Yeah, so XM XM typically has like uh, college sports in like the 190 to like 210 range, um, but you can also sometimes their featured games are on like 83 or 84 or something like that. So uh, it kind of bounces around. But if you uh, want to get into the weeds, typically it's it's posted on Vanderbilt's website. You know, they do those five things that you need to know for each game day and all that kind of stuff. They, they list out broadcast outlets and the specific channel is usually there. But it's 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 almost always going to be like 190 to 200 on the off chance it gets moved to the 80s. Andrew, appreciate you joining us today. Uh, we'll catch up with Kevin Ingram next week. We'll catch you again in two weeks. But uh, thanks for joining us. Have a good call against Connecticut. Uh, best of luck to you and the team this week going into that one. And thanks for joining us today. Appreciate it, Chris. All right. He's Andrew Allegretta, voice of the Vanderbilt Commodores. Thank you for listening to today's episode. We thank our presenting sponsor, Jody Jones DDS. We thank our other sponsors, Sutherland and Belk and MyPerfectFranchise.net. If you're interested in sponsoring this podcast, and that's how we make this work, please email me at chrislee70 at gmail.com. We also ask that you subscribe to our website, vandysports.com. That is $99 a year. You get things there that you don't get here. And, of course, please rate, review, and subscribe where you see our podcast. That helps us get noticed. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at vandysports.com. Follow me at chrislee70. And finally, subscribe to our Vandy Sports YouTube channel as well. Thank you for listening to the Vandy Sports Podcast, which is part of the 440 Network. I'm your host, Chris Lee. We'll catch you with another episode coming very soon.